2: subscribe for free to the grizzlies podcast now available on itunes google play music or your favorite podcast app right now we're not locked into anything it's a toss-up for where we can end up um it's still teams fighting to get in this thing this is the Grizzlies podcast with the only
1: beat writer the Memphis Grizzlies have ever known, Ron Tillery, with columnist Jeff Conkins and pick and pop columnist Chris Harrington. So we're the big three, as far as the Grizzlies are concerned, and last night against the Indiana Pacers, a third of the Grizzlies' big three was on and popping. Mike Conley, uh, Chandler Parsons is of course hurt, and now Marcus Saul is hurting out, missing his third straight game. But um, you know, for as much grief as I guess as, as Mike Conley gets for his contract uh, because of how valuable it is, I mean, he he came out and and he's been having a great month actually. He came out and and did what a franchise player, a max money guy should do, and that's end a a, a really horrible skid there, four games in a row. I
2: I think I actually wrote about it a little bit in my other column, the 901 this morning, because um, I I was sort of charmed by his performance last night. He has had the best season of his career, mm-hmm. and you don't expect that to happen in year ten for a you know a small point guard. You're supposed to wear down, right? You're, he's supposed to have hit his peak and be headed the other way at this point in his career. And you add that contract to what people think is like you know at this point in your career you're supposed to start declining. That sort of could could compound the pressure. Mm-hmm. He's been so good that it hasn't really been that big of an issue. And this is the high. This is going to unless something changes over the next two weeks. I don't think it will. He's going to lead the Grizzlies in scoring for the first time in his career. He's going to have the best shooting percentage of his career. He's going to have um, probably the best three-point shooting percentage of his career after adding multiple—his attempts per game have jumped up by more than two. And across the board, in most categories, he's having the best year of his career. And last night was interesting to me because it wasn't just he had a good game. He had a good game that had a little bit of flair and swagger to it that you don't— you think of Mike Conley as like— passive the steady (laughs) decision maker the quiet leader deferring the guy who's not making the flashy play and he was like getting guys like thad young and and paul george on an island he was making them dance he was doing dribble moves he was doing spin moves in the pull-ups he threw a behind the back bounce pass to zach randolph for an assist draining threes like he he was the best player on the floor last night and he was letting people know he was the best player on the floor
0: (laughs) obviously a huge credit to mike um but, but also, I think some of the credit has to go to David Fisdale, who, among the those various things, has unleashed Mike, has asked him to be that kind of player, and, and he's responded. But I'm also struck by, by what Chris said, that, um, that this could have been a big conversation point. It's not even just nationally. Weirdly enough, I think nationally – more people understood the contract than locally. There were some local folks who said, ah, it's crazy, you can't be the highest paid player in the league and whatever else. And I think most people who who thought about it knew that... It was
2: a temporary designation.
0: Yeah, A, it was temporary, and (laughs) then B, it was, yes, it was an accident of timing and everything else, but B... no one's pretending he's the best player in the league. They simply didn't have any other option right. other than to do that because there was no way to replace him, and so it was the only thing they could do. And yet, there was. I mean, I heard a lot from lots of people who would say oh, he didn't guard anymore. He's, he's and you know he's going to get old and he's broken down at the end of. He's certainly not worth this. He's an average to average, you know, slightly better than average point guard and whatever. And and because of the way he's played. Um, you really don't hear any of that. I mean, it is just um, and I think it is a credit to Mike that he's had the kind of year he's he's had, and he's obviously not been bothered by that at all. You know, he hasn't taken that on as a additional burden. He's just been Mike, only a better version of himself.
1: It fuels him. We were in Miami early in the season for one of those ridiculous back to backs. You know. Uh... <laughs> Oh, that, how,
2: that, how was, you, that was the um, home road, Miami-Miami right, right. Miami Oh, yeah, back.
1: and yeah. Miami's not close, people. I mean, <laughs> that's a long trip on on, the, on a uh, back-to-back situation. But um, so I'm about two rows from the scores table, and it's a close game, and, and the fans behind me are just really giving it to Mike about the contract. And he just goes out, and he scores like seven straight points and puts the game away for the Grizzlies. And so his mindset has always been – this is not going to burden me, you know. It's 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 always going to be a motivator. And to your point, Chris, I I just feel like, you know, as Fisdale talks about this conflict between culture and comfort, and because that's all he's done is is come and disrupt this whole thing as we know it, and make people step out their comfort zones and and and, and try to adapt. We always give credit and rightfully so to Tony Allen and and, and Zach Randolph for being professional when they get kind of yo-yoed around. But Mike Conley has seriously embraced what has been asked of him and it's performance based. Because he's he's never been asked to be this guy. Right. Like and so the criticism largely comes from well, he's not Westbrook and he, you know, he's not Chris Paul and Darren Williams. Well, his role is never guy like Kyrie Irving, he's yeah. been doing a lot of shots, right? His, his role has never been that. But since he's been given this role, I mean he's absolutely embraced it and and, and like took take it and run with it, you know what I'm saying? Of course, it's
0: an, when you're
1: being asked to play a bigger, <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's a, that's a compliment
0: in, in a sense yeah. so that when you're asked to be playing that role, it's a little different than being Zach asked to go to the bench. Yeah. But the point is, is that either one, like they both, they've, they've both worked.
1: Right. And, and I think that just speaks to your point, Jeff, about. This being year 10, like, you know, it's amazing that he's doing this. Well, he's never been asked to do this. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, And, you
1: know, this does not suggest that at the end of his
0: contract, well, he's not probably going to be earning necessarily Mm -hmm. living up to that contract. But that wasn't the calculus. You know, they'll be in a different place, I presume, by the end of his contract. And the other thing about Mike is, although he clearly is playing through bumps and bruises and everything else, he's actually – Fresher at the end of this year than I recall. It always feels like we're going into Mike with a tennis ball at the bottom of his foot or (laughs) something else. And like right now, this feels like you're getting the best Mike heading into the playoffs.
2: You saw Achilles last year and they shut him down, and then you know even before the broken phase you mentioned like the the tennis ball in the foot, and he's always seems to be he's like dragging himself in to the spring and he he's fresh right now i mean that the the, the question right now is not mike only it's it's his it's his partner
1: in the post right yeah. yeah and and i guess that also speaks to the different mindset like mike went into that game saying i felt like if we didn't win this game we weren't going to make the playoffs and then like he was just in attack mode the whole time from the tip whereas you're always wondering where mark is it's like Trying to figure out mark upstairs is like hitting your head against the wall and, and that's not in any way to suggest that uh you know you know he's he's stupid i mean he like he's like the smartest guy on the team right but but emotionally he's fragile well I think Mike has always showed you physical toughness now you're really seeing. The the mental toughness of a Mike Conley. Yeah, there's a reliable aspect. there There's a
2: you-know-what-you're-going-to-get. Yeah. The performance right. may vary, but his approach is not really going to vary. Right. Whereas with Gasol, it may be a night where he comes out and he he's going to look to take every shot he can, and it may be a night where he's, he's sort of been out of shape and – you don't know. Where's, what's your sense of where he has is physically? I tried to talk to some people last night, and, yeah. and I think we both on the same page. Where you don't, you
1: can't totally trust you can't, what you hear. You Can't trust it. Yeah. But
2: I mean, you know, I was told sort of what you expect to hear. But I was told he'll be fine for the playoffs. Yeah. So
1: yeah. It, I mean, it's hard to know. Like last year when he when he suffered the broken foot, we knew he was playing on the bad foot. Right. Like that was that was known. That was obvious. And he was just playing through it. Well, it's hard to pinpoint. You know how this happened, when it happened, because like you said, you can't just. I mean, ever since Jordan Adams, it's just kind of right. like you just don't get any straight answers it, from that is, organization.
2: Is it a concern that that he had been slumping really for several weeks before they set him down? Like, you look at his game, you know, month to month or game logs throughout the season, March was his worst month of the year right. from a scoring standpoint, from a shooting standpoint. Does that suggest that maybe it's something that had been building
1: up? Yeah, you know what? Because in fairness to Mark, he has really done... An awesome job of making us forget that he's recovering from a broken foot. Like he's a
2: thirty-two-year-old seven-footer coming off a broken foot, and I think the coaches
1: have forgotten it. We've forgotten it. The fans have forgotten it. You look at you look at the minutes he's played; they've forgotten it exactly. And so that's to your point. He and against the Spurs in those two games in what six days, he played thirty-nine minutes in each of those games. Right, and uh, pretty close to that against New Orleans when when Boogie Cousins kind of whipped him. Um, I I think in fairness to him, you have to wonder if he's a little worn down
0: right. and you and you also wonder if if that this will turn out to be if you know if we're presuming he does come back for that from this, it will in fact have been a good break for him to have that'll be restored, yeah. which gets right. us to the larger theme of at what point do they start I mean like like Mike probably played more minutes than he actually needed to last night. Um, at what point do they start being cognizant of minutes and rest and all of that um, They're not locked in yet. Because they still play Oklahoma City, sure. so they're not locked in. But it's looking pretty, pretty. Yeah.
2: It's they, w- looking- they would have to. I look at the schedules again. It's sort of a daily thing. If the Grizzlies, I'm not going to put seven and zero on the table because that's not going to happen. But, but if they went six and one, they'll probably be favored in six of the next seven games because they're at home against teams that are in their level or worse. And then one of the two road games is against the Lakers, right? Yeah. So if they if they actually went six and one, they probably won't. But if they did. The Thunder would need to finish four and four, um, and that and that would include the Grizzlies beating the Thunder. So if the Grizzlies went six and one, the Thunder would need to finish four and four, and at that point they would be tied record wise, and the Grizzlies would almost certainly have the tiebreaker with
1: conference record.
2: I don't know if you can count. E- they got a pretty on, schedule ed- on so. either.
1: Yeah, everybody does. Everybody's pretty even. The on Thunder schedule is
2: a little bit tougher because there's a lot of road games, and they haven't been that good on the road. Yeah. Like they had to go to overtime and get a 57-13-11 from Russell Westbrook to beat Orlando last night. But I mean, so that could happen, a six and one, four and four, but both ends of that seem a little unlikely.
1: Well, let me tell you something, Chris. They better go six and one because at the twenty five game mark, I was asked to predict the final twenty five storylines, uh, among other things, including the record. As right. I said twelve and thirteen finish would have put them at forty seven wins. So that's a that's a self serving <laughs> wish. They'll probably end up at 46, 45 wins. 45, yeah. Yeah, yeah 45 like, wins. Yeah. That's about 45 right. wins, yep. which
0: is, I don't know what. I think I said 43 when the season began or whatever. Right. And, I,
2: and I got this sense last night, they're still thinking about moving up. Like they have not. Like in the past, like you know that that first playoff year with Lionel, where they beat the Spurs, they locked in on that. Right. They decided that's the matchup we want because it was
1: either them or the Lakers. Right. I remember arguing with uh, yeah. from a colleague, Mar- Mar- Marlon Morgan, about that. Yeah, yeah. So,
2: th- so they locked in, decided that's what we want, and yeah. we're not fo- we're focused on on that matchup and getting to that matchup, and we're not really worried about it from there on out. I don't get the sense that they have made that kind of determination at this point. In fact, I get the sense they would still like to move up to six. Yeah. I am not personally. and We talked about this yesterday, Ron. I am not totally convinced that that, that is that, that 6 is better for the Grizzlies.
1: No, no, and, and and I think you and I agree on the reasons why. I mean, Houston is just so um, committed to putting up trying trying to put up 53 point shots a game. And then I think what doesn't get talked about a lot is the depth. I mean, not only I mean James Harden's having an MVP caliber year, but they come off with Lou Williams they come off with Eric Gordon, two of, right. of whom are uh, six-man candidates. But so it's
2: one thing to say, we'll put Tony Allen on James Harden, and we'll,
1: A, that's probably not going to work yeah. at this stage. And
2: B, even if it does, yeah. like Lou Williams put 40 on the Grizzlies off the bench this so
1: season. that's the point. They come in waves with what they're doing. It's not like there's a serious drop-off. And then every time Zach Randolph gets off the bench, guess who then Tony deploys? Right. Nene. Oh, Nene, okay. Big, strong, long – well then
2: they had the guarding problem of Ryan yeah. Anderson. Yeah. You know, trying to yeah. chase
1: that around. And, and Trevor Reza, I mean like this just that's yeah, that's a recipe for disaster. the only reason
0: I mean, the only re- the only advantage that it has it's it would be new. Like it would just be from an <laughs> entertainment us, yeah. perspective, <laughs> right. and I don't even think just for us. I think from the fans, it will be yeah. hard to ginny up enthusiasm for a Memphis Spurs series there's, from the fans. A, game yeah. three, if they don't, if they don't split in the first two, they're gonna have a hard time selling that out. Yeah. In game three against the Spurs.
1: I think this is where you and I disagree, as far as the Spurs. You you seem to think a matchup would mimic the year they upset them.
2: I think I, there's potential there yeah. because I think like that season. This Spurs team is a little inflated in the regular season and they have mm. a lot of players who are sort of on the cusp of of dropping off. Unfortunately, Kawhi Leonard's not one of
1: those. Right. And and I just feel like, wow, that matchup would give the Grizzlies the best chance of being themselves. Right. They just don't they don't have enough. They just don't Well you know. and that's the problem with
0: the Chandler Parsons thing. We yeah. have
1: we have been rid
0: of the the agony of the Chandler Parsons being forced, an injured Chandler Parsons being forced down your throat. But without a healthy Chandler Parsons, they're limited. Like They just don't have enough. It's why they went and got him in the first place.
1: Think about this. Mike Conley had a fantastic game, right? But if Vince doesn't have 21 and Zach didn't have 17, that's not a blowout. That's probably – you're fortunate if it's within five points to or less. beat the Spurs, you need
2: <laughs> you need a game you need at least four games yeah. like that from Vince Carter, yeah, or a Troy Daniels to pop up and have one of those. I'm going to get you twenty Ridiculous off the bed.
1: three point, yeah,
2: because you can't depend so like, much on Mike Conley, because if he's going off, they're going to put Kawhi Leonard on him, right? And then where's your offense coming from on the perimeter? So I have a question. Um, ESPN did their coach and management
0: rankings. Um, I didn't see the coach rankings. Yeah, did that too. Uh, they did coaches out now too uh as uh coach rankings they have david fisdale at number 12 and management rankings they have um the grizzlies at 13 um do those seem accurate to you about right about the right area of course it's all relative because you don't have the complete list in front of you
2: well but actually i do have the front now office list in front chris of does have the complete <laughs> no, I, cause I, I list in front of i was looking at it. I was looking at the front office thing earlier they have they have the, them um, 12 in front office as well okay um i think the front office ranking is is totally fair actually um I think they're clearly not among the elite, and they are clearly not among the dregs, the, um, the Sacramentos and the New York Knicks of the world right now. And so I look at where they're at in the front office. Like The only people I would I see below them that I might be a little surprised by, Portland's at 13. Neil O'Shea's got a good reputation there, but they've made some bad moves the last couple of years with the Evan Turner contract and thrown a lot of money at a lot of mediocre players. Um, Denver is at um, like sixteen, I think people feel pretty good about that organization, but they haven't. They've taken all these assets and they haven't turned, it, with them. turned them into anything yet.
1: It, yeah, you know, It's almost like you're talking about the Grizzlies too. I mean, um, right. They've swung and missed at the small four position for years. Uh, this collection of talent is very questionable. I mean, it's almost like it should be a tie for sixteen. The weird thing among, is among me, the teams me, you mentioned, to me, the <laughs> I mean, the next group after
2: Memphis is Portland, Washington, Atlanta, Denver, Indiana. It's all sort of debatable.
1: Yeah. 12 just seems a little high for that. Right. Well,
2: the, I mean, in the end, the, Given the, the, the the point
0: is is here's what they do well. 6 7 years ago, they assembled the core four. Right? <laughs> right. And, and they, 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 kept, they kept them together. They get credit for that. And right. they and they've kept them together. Like right. that's what they, and then the other thing they do well. Is at the margins, whether it's finding Michael Green or whether it's Troy Dan, whatever it is, at the margins. Once upon a
2: time, it was Courtney Lee. Courtney Lee. It at the margins, they've Merrill done a good Chalmers, job. Right. The thing
0: that they do badly, which is why they're not in the top ten, and maybe maybe should be lower than this ranking, is the four swings develop that they've, the they've ne- had. Developed the next generation. The right. should be uh, Jeff Green, Chandler Parsons, Jordan Adams. That whole group. And that's what they get demerits for. So mm. I think it's probably a smidge high. I'm a little, I'm, I'm, particularly because people just like to beat up on Chris Wallace. I'm
2: surprised they didn't rank it lower. If you had asked me um, before I saw this list, yeah. I would have told you they're somewhere in the middle ten. Right, like they're not a top ten. I would they're have not thought a they bottom would be toward ten. The bottom of the middle. They're somewhere in the middle. I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. And how about Fizz? He's twelve. Yeah. I'd have to look at the list, but that seems fair. If maybe a little generous as a rookie coach who's. Not a top four seed, but I think he's acquitted himself
1: well. Well, I, I I think it's just fair because he is a rookie coach who is largely overachieved. With, yeah. I mean, really, th- this thing about this season from start to finish. Like at one point they were ten or maybe twelve over five hundred. It was ridiculous how well they were doing. But here they are. If they had finished at 45 wins, he will
0: have slightly overachieved. He will have
2: slightly overachieved the national. I think the Vegas under was like 42 or 43. So he would have slightly
0: overachieved.
2: Um, But slightly overachieved with getting negative value from your max free agent, Chandler Parsons.
0: Yes, but getting... More than you might have expected from both Mark and Mike, right? Like, but he gets some credit for that for yes. what they expected he, he, from Mark. He, he helped he create, helped create that those things exactly. He right. did not help create the negative value from Jalen Hurst. That, that's totally fair.
1: That um, and not having a credible backup point guard. Yeah,
0: it's sort of funny because like Frank Vogel, who was the hot. You know, the one that people like—he's—he's—he's he's, he's way down. Right. Um, he, he certainly ranks ahead of Frank
2: Fogel. I don't have a list. Well, the of Magic here. are twenty-eighth on front office, which right. which, 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 which is they a, should be. They they earn that designation. They absolutely earned right. that designation.
1: Yeah, and some of that, you know, skewed because good coaches have bad rosters. Right. No. <laughs> I mean like what's Jaeger supposed to do in Sacramento? I mean coaching what, matters what, a lot what but, could, but there's
2: a cap on how much it matters yeah, if you at, don't have the talent. At, at Atkinson couldn't do
1: any better. Than oh, and Mino. Atkinson's in the low is the yeah. bottom five. What yeah. the hell is he yeah. supposed to do? I mean, what, that, what's
2: check I think is,
0: is 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 they're all all those guys, Earl Watson, like they're all at the right. bottom. And what right. are they supposed to do? <laughs> right. Really seriously. Right.
1: I mean yeah, you got to it's like uh they always say you can't judge a draft pick until 3 years in. It's like some of these coaches like you can't say Earl Watson, Atkinson, and these guys are back. I mean, so is Jaeger. Suddenly, an idiot because he coaches the game Nate
0: McMillan was really low. What'd you think of that? They are a mess right now.
1: Yeah, and I think I know they you were. Know, yeah, I think they were trying to uh, bring some toughness and discipline to that team. It was right. kind of loosey goosey with uh, Vogel, but it it just it hasn't taken hold. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if if Bird's not long for that job as well as Nate McMillan.
2: Well, it was a weird sort of clash of philosophy because last season their whole idea was they wanted to play Paul George more at the 4 and be more of an up tempo team. He resisted it. Yeah. He resisted mm-hmm. it. and then you go hire McMillan who's who he who was who was really successful in Portland but it was with a slow down, traditional, heavy kind of lineup and so right. it didn't really the, it, it, they don't seem to have a coherent idea of what they're trying to do there. Yeah,
1: I think they were trying to change the culture, honestly. Right. Um, because you know, I'd heard stories of guys coming to video sessions and meetings with plates of food. You know, it just—it right. wasn't serious. You know, and and I'm not trying to take a shot at Frank Vogel. I don't know him, but I mean, all we know here is structure from Hubie Brown to Lionel Hollins to Fisdale, Like, it's going to be done a certain way, right. and with young players, I mean, you need that. You know, and we all know, you know young people crave discipline.
0: By the way, that's another. That's another. It, it weirdly enough, given the total dysfunction of this front office at various times, the other thing you have to give them credit for is hiring good coaches, like one after another after another, from Lionel to They, they missed to on and since they then, then, they've had quality these ones, coaches.
1: You can blame Jerry West for uh, – Ivoroni. Yeah. Right? yeah. I got to visit with the logo out in uh, Golden State. He, uh, he took the private plane from L.A. just for that game and went right back. I said, it must be nice. He's like, "Yeah, I work for a lot of rich people." <laughs> <laughs> I don't
0: know where we are. I was just going to wind this up by going back to Mike real quick. It's funny, it struck me is um that sort of chip on his shoulder. It has been the theme of his whole career. He, was the, bo- he was the he was the booby prize in he was the booby prize in that draft when they already had Kyle Lowry. So they they had Kyle Lowry and then he was picked behind Odin Durant Horford and, and Horford. So yeah. he was number 4, the booby prize there. To a place that already had a point guard who 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 didn't who wanted to bury him from the day one. And so then there was the whole getting ridiculed on the radio for dribble, 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 bounce, <laughs> bounce, bounce, yep. just getting killed for forever. Then when he got the. It's funny, things you talk about how. They he, almost traded him for Ramon Sessions. Then they Sessions almost traded him for Ramon um, Sessions and the kid from West Virginia, Joe Alexander. Joe Alexander. And, and quite and Mark, a career he's Mark had. Marcus Saul, by the way, sum,
1: summons me to his locker and say, write this. That's right. a horrible <laughs> right. deal. Right. And then it's
0: funny, we talk about him playing with a big contract now. Stunningly enough, the first contract that he got was perceived as being overpaying him. So he was in the worst in NBA history. So he had had that. He outplayed it, and he he outplayed (laughs) it, and now he
2: has this one. Now he's done this his literally his entire career. If he spends this entire contract in Memphis and has sort of a normal career arc from here on out, he'll be overpaid in the fifth year or whatever. But when you look at the totality of his career and what he was paid relative to his performance, it will have been a good value for the Grizzlies overall because. He was under he was underpaid
1: relative to his production in the league for a few years. You know now that time has passed, and you know we've told so many stories. We've gotten to know Mike. We've known Mike since he was nineteen. We've, you know we we've gotten to understand why Lionel believed in him. I remember when Lionel was in the early stages of his head coaching career here, and I got the chance to talk to Lenny Wilkins, uh, who was actually his first coach. It wasn't um, uh, Doctor Jack. Lenny Wilkins was there when Lionel got drafted. And uh, Lenny inserted Lionel ahead of some veterans, and it wasn't very, very well received. And come to find out, you know, Lionel was treated much like Mike. Right. And he didn't he didn't handle it. He was, like, flipping off the fans. <laughs> I, and, can <laughs> right. I can see Lionel. I can see Lionel. Yeah. And so, and then, like, in the, day, in the time since Lionel's been gone, you talk to Mike about the relationship, you know, because they golfed together and all this stuff. And he says, people just don't understand. Lionel was harder on me than anybody. Like he, he caught the wrath. I mean, you know, we know what that wrath was. But right, and then you just start to understand why this guy believed in him. He could not have come into this league under a worse coach than Mark Averoni, who wouldn't even play him at home. Wouldn't, and I still don't know why. Make a decision. <laughs> just couldn't make a decision with yeah. those two yard point guards. But you mentioned Marcus All, like put like putting
2: on the brakes on this idea of trading Mike Conley. Lionel Hollins is the other reason Mike Conley's still here.
1: Yeah, they won the trade him to Portland for Steve Blake, and, right. and Lionel would say, if you want to trade him, trade him, but make sure it's a clear upgrade. I mean, you're bringing me Ramon Sessions, <laughs> Back. Steve Blake, backup point guard. Yes, he said, just make sure it's a clear upgrade, and so um, that whole dynamic is just fascinating. And and I tell you what, uh, to Jeff's point, Mike's getting the last laugh. I don't, I, don't, I don't care if you think he's not as good as Westbrook or any of these other guys. Well, and he's he, not. He, <laughs> In
0: fairness, he's not, but he's <laughs> damn good. You don't have to, you know. <laughs> right. Great. But, he's but been great ultimately, for a he's good. Yeah. Time, and he's yeah. total class. And he's like, he's everything you possibly want.
1: All right. So. Let me do this right as we conclude the podcast here. Thanks for listening. Uh, please make sure you subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Just search Grizzlies Podcast. And please make sure you rate us and review the show. You can also follow me on Twitter at, at C-A-Grizz with one Z. C-A-Grizz beat. And uh, you're at Jeff. Uh, I'm Jeff, G-E-O-F-F underscore Calkins, C-A-L-K-I-N-S.
2: And my, my
1: basketball life is Harrington NBA. Okay. All right. And you can read all of us at CommercialAppeal.com. For Jeff, for Chris, this is Ron Tillery. We'll be back at you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks.
2: Take the CA wherever you go. Download the Commercial Appeal app on your smartphone or tablet and get push alerts when breaking news happens. It's a free download for your iPhone and iPad in the Apple App Store and in the Google Play Store for your Android device. This
1: is is the Commercial Appeal.